Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. I'm always honored to be here. My name is Rachel D'Alto. I do relationships. I've done relationships for the last uh, 10 years professionally. I'd like to think that I was doing relationships for a long time before that. Uh, I think you tend to fall into what you are meant to do based on your personal and professional experience mixed together. And uh, before I had really engaged in relationships as a coach, as a speaker, as a TV personality in the last 10 years, uh, I was a lawyer. And people are always like, how, how does a lawyer turn into a relationship expert? And that might be a story for a different day. But at the end of the day, your basis of a relationship is the same, whether it's personal, professional, or romantic. The foundational principles are the same. And as a lawyer, that was a lot of uh, what we were dealing with was relationships, whether it was uh, in my very short stint in divorce court, which is technically called family law, uh, you know, and that's obvious relationships between families that are looking to dissolve a relationship. There's relationships that happen in civil, there's relationships in, in so many different areas. And then there's the relationships between the parties. And so I say very simply that I was a really good mediator. I was really good at listening to people and mediation is a way of meeting in the middle where neither party walks out really happy. I remember I was a law clerk. So after you go to law school, you graduate uh, and then you are allowed in the year following your graduation to work for a judge. And uh, I decided to do that kind of at the last minute. So I initially had intended to go into corporate law. And part of my story and part of what I talk about in my book is recognizing that corporate law was not for me to the point where I thought I was going to quit law altogether. Uh, but then I realized that there was another type of law out there and I was able to pivot and become this law clerk. And so part of working for a judge meant that you are dealing with the litigants, the litigants are the parties that come in, and you're dealing with the cases, and you're writing decisions, and you're helping to build out uh, the basis of those decisions, but you're also doing mediation, 
every single week. And let me tell you, when you have to do mediation in small claims court, so any small claims is less than 15,000, people are passionate. These are passionate people and they're not fighting over money. And the moment that you heard, it's not the money, it's the principle, you knew that you were going to be in a, in a very uphill battle to help people resolve because there's an emotional attachment there. But that's kind of attached to all conflict. And that's what I want to talk about today is conflict in general, because I've seen it on that side where it's, it's masked in money, uh, it's masked in uh, emotions. But it comes down to this root of, I feel like I am being wronged. And the problem is, is that oftentimes our response to conflict in relationships is not helping to resolve that conflict. All it's doing is helping to prolong the conflict. And there are four things that I, I want to go through in terms of conflict resolution that I have learned, uh, not only as a lawyer, not only as a successful mediator, where we would get things done, you do not leave, and, and I am a very competitive person, so when we would be in those, those cases, you would have some sort of ratio at the end of your settled versus not settled, and I always wanted to beat out my other law clerks lovingly. Uh, but so whether you are dealing with something in the professional sector, whether you're dealing with something uh, in the more personal sector of your relationships, if it's a romantic situation that you're having a conflict in, there are ways to approach it that can really help resolve things in a way, more beneficial way. Because what I see oftentimes is there's wasted energy. There's wasted energy and conflict because we're not approaching it in a way that's going to resolve. We're approaching it in a way that's going to prolong it. So the number one overall rule, and this is before we even get into those those four kind of pillars of what I, I believe is being really helpful in handling conflict in any situation is to understand that people need to be heard and seen. Not only do you in conflict feel that internal need to be heard and seen, and it's understandable from our own standpoint, but we also need to be heard and seen when we're on opposing sides. And we need to see and hear the people that we are in conflict with. Because if we do not recognize them and we talk above them or we talk at them or we ignore them completely and we talk through what our position is, we're not going to end up in a situation where things are resolved. And the basis here and what I want to focus on today is resolving things. And just like my mediation days as a lawyer, it's not always going to mean you win. Conflict doesn't always mean you win. Conflict oftentimes means is that we both move forward. And in a lot of relationships, that is just as impactful. It's just as important. It's just as, as strong as any other resolution. And you want to move forward in a way that both parties feel like they were a part of the conversation. So the number one question that you have to ask yourself when you're engaging in conflict is, are my feelings thought through? Did I think through my feelings? Have I had conscious thought attached to it? Because I am guaranteeing, and you can flash your mics, I can't scroll because uh, my, my internet is not stable here, but so I don't want to mess it up. But if you have ever engaged in conflict when you were just in your feelings, flash your mics, because that's the worst way to approach conflict. 
but it's how we do it so often because we are angry or we're frustrated or we're sad, we're upset. And so we are in our feelings without any conscious thought about our feelings. We're in our feelings without any think through of how does this work out or how can I approach this from a more logical standpoint? So that first question before you engage in conflict with someone, and engaging in conflict means that I'm going to engage with this person for the purpose of re resolution. Are my feelings thought through? Because the thing about fighting is that it doesn't happen overnight. The thing about a, an issue that provokes conflict is it's not a light switch. It's typically something that evolves over time and then there's a straw that breaks. There's always something behind it. And once we get to a point when we're looking to engage in some sort of conflict with someone, we are in a position where people have gotten so built up over something that it's hard to see the forest for the trees. So when we sit there and we think through, are my feelings actually thought through here? Have I disengaged enough from my feelings to understand what is happening as a whole? And I, I liken this to, oh my gosh, I, I my daughter's outside listening. Uh, I'm sorry, Sophia, but I'm going to use you as an example. So I, I obviously love my child to death. We're in a little tween stage right now, though, which is pure conflict. I don't know that we're going to resolve anything fully until she's an adult. But right now, it's just a matter of preserving the relationship and making sure that that we speak to each other in a way that's respectful and moves forward. But I'm gonna tell you, when she came downstairs the other day and she was wearing something that absolutely should not leave the house, it was a mismatch of things, it looked ridiculous. And I was like, go change. I was like, just throw in a t-shirt, we gotta go, we gotta go, we're already running late. And she starts fighting with me. I start to engage in a way that is nowhere near resolution friendly. I start to respond from pure emotion of, what are you doing? And we all lose our minds at some point. We all have those, those moments of where that frustration gets to the top of your head and then spouts off the top of your head because you don't have the wherewithal to stop yourself, to rein yourself back in and to preserve whatever frustrations you have and not engage in that way, not engage in an unhelpful situation. And I let it rip. I just was so, I was so frustrated, but it wasn't because of the one time. It wasn't because she was questioning again and again. It wasn't because of the one outfit. It was repetitive. It's because we're in this stage where she is very well, you know, within her, her regular development of pushing boundaries and pushing me as her mom. And so once I was able to step away from that situation, and say, okay, I need to take a breather. I need to calm down. I need to recognize where these feelings are coming from, but I need to disassociate with my feelings for a minute to understand it. I need to think through my feelings because I need to understand that I didn't lose it on her because of one situation. I lost it because it's been a pattern of the last months or year of constantly questioning authority, constantly talking back, constantly, you know, and, and I say talking back, she's a very respectful child, but it's, it's definitely that pushing of boundaries that only tweens know how to do. Actually, teens know how to do it too. I phrased one of those as well. But it was one of those very interesting moments that I was able to reflect afterwards because I wanted to go talk to her after we had calmed down 
And I wanted to do it in a way that we would be able to use these these elements that I'm talking about today, where we'd be able to move forward in our relationship. She would be able to understand where I'm coming from. I would be able to talk to her about where she's coming from. But you can't do that until we start to disassociate from the pure emotion that comes from conflict. So really thinking through those feelings and thinking through the thoughts of how do we get to this point? And how do we get to a point where we have to engage in some sort of conflict resolution? The second is, am I considering their position? So that's a, a very valid uh, second step here, especially with a tween, is I need to understand where she is coming from. And that is empathy. Sympathy is I feel bad for you. Empathy is I feel you. I step in your shoes. I understand in the best of my ability what you are dealing with, what your position in this situation is, how you are looking at things. We talk often about the golden rule of relationships, which is treat people the way that they need to be treated. Treat people that we, sorry, <laughs> treat people the way that we want to be treated. I actually gave away the punchline. But the platinum rule is treating people the way that they need to be treated. And that happens when we're able to put ourselves in their positions. And something I do during my keynotes that, that I think illustrates this pretty clearly is I'm an extrovert. So obviously there are introverts, there are extroverts, there's ambiverts, and there's definitely all along the lines of uh, the spectrum of those type of personality traits. And so what I do is I have an introvert raise their hand and then I go up to them in person, in their face, with a mask on at this point, and say things like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see you. I can't believe you're here. This is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And I just go on and on and on and on. And I make them feel really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. And so I, I, they're always in that space of, oh my gosh, why did I raise my hand? Why did I engage in this way? Why am I you know, participating in this? Because I'm treating them in a way that they will never want to be treated. I am being completely unempathetic. And oftentimes in conflict, we aren't even thinking about the other person. We're not putting ourselves in their shoes. We're not considering their position. We're considering only our own standpoint. So the more that you can treat people the way that they need to be treated, the more that you can engage in a conflict resolution that can result in actual resolution. Because we can keep conflict going pretty easily. But if we're gonna get over that hump, to where we are able to actually resolve and move forward in a relationship, we have to put ourselves in their shoes. And oftentimes, the, what I would see, especially in, in court cases, is that people were so passionate about their positions. And a lot of times it was completely understandable. Actually, in most cases, it was completely understandable. But the problem is, is that if everybody stands on their side of, of the fence, you never resolve anything. It's like an eighth grade dance where no one actually gets together, where the boys are on one side, the girls are on the other. And that is not going to get us to the middle of the table. And again, we're not looking. This is not a game of people win and lose. This is a, the motivation is to resolve something. So how often are you actually considering the other person's position? How often can you empathize with them? And then how often can you actually validate and this one can be hard because if we are going to validate and acknowledge someone else's position, we're 
have oftentimes that feeling of I'm giving up on mine, but that's not the case. You can validate how someone else feels without releasing the passion that you have for how you are showing up and how what you need in terms of this resolution. You can absolutely do both. I saw that with my daughter too, because I was able to validate. I said, Sophia, I get it. You know, you are of an age where you are going to push boundaries. And you know what? You have this amazing personality. And she does. She has this amazing personality that is filled with spirit and spunk and sass and has been there since the moment she was born. I don't know about you, but uh, both of my children have had the same personalities as a newborn that they do now as 11 and 21 year olds. My son is chill and he, I used to call him Buddha baby cause you would plop him down and he would sit there and he would never move. You would have toys that fl fly out of range of him and he would just sit there perfectly content. And then you have my Sophia who was always looking for more, always active, always pushing the boundaries. And so I said to her, I said, I know that this is part of you. And I know that I want to encourage this because it is going to serve you so well <laughs> one day, even if it makes me go really gray, really fast. But I was able to say something that, that allowed her to feel seen where I said, I know that this is how you feel. I know that this is something that's, that's important to you. And I get that. And I see you. It doesn't mean that, that you're, position is not valid. It just means that we have to find a way to compromise. And right now, this is how we do this. There is no compromise when it comes to talking back, but there is a compromise when it comes to how you dress and how you show up in the world. So just looking at things from their positions is so important. Number three, the question that you need to ask if you are in the midst of a conflict is, am I speaking towards resolution? Am I speaking towards a resolution? Because as I've said a couple of times already, we can prolong conflict for as long as you need. <laughs> there is no shortage in fighting. There's no shortage in the fire that can continue to burn those fights. However, if you reflect upon it and think, am I actually speaking to resolve this? Are the words that I am speaking able to help me move forward towards resolution or, or am I continuing to light the embers? And we often know, we often know when we are actually speaking to resolve because one, we can feel it. And I, I said this in my, my very first segment here, I talked a lot about the difference between head and heart communication. I believe that if we focus our communication as coming through our hearts, coming through our heart space, and especially in conflict that is personal, whether it's friends, whether it's loved ones, family, romantic partners, if we come to the conflict from our heart, we engage in a different way than if we come from our head. Because when we are coming from our head, like I blew up at my daughter yesterday, there is no logic, it is pure emotion, and there's no resolution because I'm just pouring gas in the fire because I'm, I'm yelling. I can feel it. It's like, I felt like that, uh, oh my gosh, what was that movie? There was that Disney movie with all the little characters and there was the anger uh, internal person. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about, but there was those internal feelings. And so the one was anger and he had flames shooting out of his head. And that's what we are when we're coming at a conflict without focusing our language on speaking towards resolution, we might as well be, we might as well be that little anger. Oh, 
just going to mute you. We might as well be that little anger emoji running around our head. And it's never going to resolve the conflict. So that moment of self-reflection to say, am I actually speaking towards resolution? Are the words that I'm saying going to help this or hurt this? And bringing Sophia back into it. We had this conversation on the way to school today. Completely different situation. But 11-year-olds provide a lot of content and a lot of learning. And she was telling me about a couple kids in her new class. So she switched schools and she's in sixth grade. And like I said, she's got a lot of opinions. She's very full of sass and, and personality. And she said, mom, I just, I can't, I, I don't like them. Like, I just can't stand it. And I was like, I understand. We are not meant to like everybody. We're not meant to, to be friends with everyone. I said, but if you are going to speak, I want your, I want you to ask yourself, is this kind and is it necessary? And this is something that a lot of of people use because it filters things and when we're in conflict we might not we might not reach that level of kind and necessary but we can definitely reach the level of necessary because if you are focused on the goal of resolution the words that you say will change oftentimes when we're engaging in conflict with someone our words our choices of words our energy around those words are not intended to resolve anything they're intended to defend yourself. They're intended to make your point. They're intended to put yourself in a position where you feel like you're winning. But I will tell you one thing after doing this, after or doing what I do now for 10 years, but also being a lawyer before that, there is no winning when it comes to conflict. There's no winning. There's, also, there's just a lack of energy because you're pouring energy into so many spaces that are not beneficial and they're not geared toward that resolution, geared toward making that next step. So thinking and reflecting, am I speaking towards resolution? Do the words that leave my mouth have an impact that is beneficial to this situation? In a professional setting, I get it. There's conflict all the time in professional relationships where people are having issues with their colleagues. They're having issues with their bosses. They're having these challenges. And I get when someone wants to defend themselves, when they wanna put themselves in a position where they feel like they're heard. Because again, we want to be seen. We want to be heard. But if we aren't doing the same for other people while we're having these conflicts, nothing will get resolved. So in those situations, if you have a conflict with a colleague, if you have a conflict with a boss, what is resolution language? Resolution language is I take responsibility for any actions that I have done. I take responsibility for myself. And my intention here is to resolve this. It doesn't place blame. It doesn't, it doesn't invoke anger. It allows the other person to understand what the challenge is. It allows the other person to understand what your position is. But again, it goes back to the first two as well, which were, are my feelings thought through? Am I fighting about that right thing? Or am I fighting about something that's been building up for, for months, years? And am I considering their position? And then bringing that into your language and having that self-awareness, having that ability to reflect. It's funny because my my book has been out for just a couple of weeks, but I feel like I've done every podcast in the world and it's amazing. Just the 
the amount of opportunities that I've had to share the message of relatable. And, and it's, it always has come down to this conversation about awareness. Awareness is everything. Awareness of your words, awareness of your energy, awareness of your thoughts, awareness of the way that you approach things can help you in so many ways, in so many situations. And that awareness will help you here as well as, am I going to speak towards resolution or am I going to speak to actually continue to prolong this conflict? And the last, and then I want to open it up for discussion uh, for anybody who is here and willing, is... Are they capable of engaging? And this is a big one. So there's a lot of conflict out there. And I've seen this as a lawyer and I've seen this as a relationship expert where the other party is not engaging in a way that is going to help resolve the conflict. They're not able to, whether there is narcissism or there is uh, plain old stubbornness because they're holding on to a position I saw this so many times in court cases where, and especially in family, um, there doesn't necessarily always involve some sort of mental health issue, but there would be people who were just so stuck in their position that there was no able mediation because they were not able to find a way to come together at a midpoint. And so oftentimes, we weren't able to resolve things and it, it was just because of people holding on to that 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 pillar in the ground that they wouldn't let go of but there are so many other ways where people are not capable of engaging there could be a, an issue like a narcissism there could be an issue of a person who uh, just simply is not capable of having the energy to engage in that point and so you want to reflect on how am I approaching this situation and who am I approaching? And in, in this, I talk a lot about in my book, there's, there's got to change relationships and got to go relationships. And so obviously, got to go relationships are ones that you can eliminate. There are ones where you've been in conflict with them for a very long time. You've tried to resolve that conflict, and maybe you've tried to do this, hopefully, before they got to go. We've tried to do this in a way that we've gone through those questions. You're approaching it from thought through feelings. You're considering their position. You're speaking with a, an eye towards resolution, and it's still not working. Well, then it has to be assessed. Is this somebody that I can continue to engage with and feel okay engaging with and not have it impact your energy and not have it impact your life negatively? Or is it someone that needs to not be a part of your life? And then, even so, even if you decide that that person really does not belong in your life, we need to understand, can they be a part of their life? Are you able to have them in your life, but in a gotta change situation? And gotta change is about boundaries and understanding that there are some people out there that you can engage in all of these different conflict resolution strategies and you can show up as the best, most empathetic, strong, very logic-focused, practical-minded, North Star-focused person, and it doesn't work. And it doesn't work. And I had that in my marriage. My first marriage was to someone where there was never going to be a conflict resolution. He wasn't capable of it. And that's where it ended. But then you still have to co-parent. And so it had to turn into a gotta change relationship. So if there is someone out there that you are having conflict with, 
and you've recognized that this is not a person capable of engaging. And it's a person that if you had a choice, it could be a boss. I see this all the time. I'm not the person that says, just leave your job, you'll figure it out. No, some people need to feed their children. They need to pay their rent. They need to pay their mortgage, but they are dealing with someone who is not capable of engaging in conflict in a resolution-minded way. We gotta change the way that we show up. And part of that is engaging in a way that you are protected and setting boundaries and showing up knowing that, you know what, I can't control the way that this person reacts to conflict, but I can tr control the way that I react to them. And I'm going to go in there aware of that as opposed to being open and allowing all of those emotions in and allowing yourself to get upset about something that you do not control. And that's going to be an entire other segment on boundary setting because it's such an important element of conflict resolution because there will be people who you are not able to resolve the conflict with. And I'm going to, I'm going to be as honest as I can right then because I could Pollyanna code it. It's not even a thing. I think it's sugar coating, but we could Pollyanna coat. <laughs> Maybe that's a new paint color, just bright and bubbly. We could put that coating on it, but it is the truth that there are going to be people there that you're not going to be able to resolve. And I'm sure there are people that are listening right now that have people in their lives that they know that that conflict is perpetual. And that's an entire, entire other focus of how do I set those boundaries? How do I protect myself and recognize that? But it starts with that awareness. So we have a couple minutes left. Again, it's Rachel. I'm here talking about conflict resolution, going through those questions that everyone should ask when they're engaging in conflict. Are my feelings thought through? Am I fighting right about the right thing in this situation? Am I considering their position? Am I getting empathetic? Am I putting myself in their place to understand things? Even if it's difficult and frustrating to put yourself in the position of another when you're so passionate about your side, am I speaking towards resolution? Am I using the right words? Am I showing up in the right way? And lastly, are they capable of engaging? So I'd love to open it up if anyone has any comments about conflict or questions. Um, and then I'm going to pass the mic over in just a minute to Carmelia. But if anyone has anything to add, please just flash your mic. And uh, I would love you to contribute. If not, I don't see any. I know my internet. Rachel. Hi, love. It's Donna. Hi, Donna. honey. I have to jump because it's 1 o'clock and I have a client. But I just wanted to let you know it was uh, it was Inside Out, the movie. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I was like, I, why, I could see him, that little anger guy. Yes. It was right? Inside Out, and it was uh, anger and joy and all that. It's such a good movie. So I was I was away from my phone when you were talking, but I was like, it's Inside Out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, uh, I, it's so funny. I, I've never talked about uh, that little anger guy, but that's all I could, that's all I could think and I, of. And I think I... the anger guy is a girl, actually. I think is he's it? a little, yes, the little girl with the blunt haircut. I knew exactly. Okay, this is telling you who are the moms in the room, and that's one of my <laughs> favorite, one of my absolute favorite movies. Yeah, so that's, I think, so the girl. <laughs> All right, so the angry... Why is the girl the angry one, huh? huh? Yeah, why... Well, I know, right? Why are we so emotional? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for popping in, Donna. I so appreciate you. But, uh, yes, that's, that is definitely what I think about when we're fighting from the top of our heads instead of our hearts. But... 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.